I'm Hannah Smay. And I'm Haley Robinson. And this is the Wild Idaho Podcast, coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the lands you love. Each month, we'll be exploring a new topic or current event that impacts the environment in Idaho. Join us to learn about the work we're doing and how you can get involved. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Wild Idaho. I am Hannah, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley. Hi, Hannah. How's it going? And we're here with External Relations Director, Jonathan Oppenheimer, um, who is also ICL's lobbyist. Hi there. This episode is all about the Idaho State Legislature, which ICL engages in every year. We always call Jonathan Op, so I'll probably refer to him as Op during this episode. So Op, do you want to give us a little background about why ICL engages with the Idaho State Legislature? Sure. Well, um, one of the reasons why ICL was founded back in 1973 was really to serve as an effective voice for conservation in the legislature. And so every year since then, we have had a a lobbyist up there in the marbled hallways of the state capitol advocating on behalf of clean water and public lands and healthy wildlife populations and ensuring access, uh, that kind of thing. And so it is really uh, a key part of the work of the Idaho Conservation League uh, to continue to serve for that uh, statewide voice for conservation uh, in the state house. Yeah, and I remember you telling me once that the legislature is not necessarily where ICL has its biggest wins, but it's still an important venue for us to to be active. Um, and I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about why that is. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, certainly it's no secret that the Idaho um, State House and the and the makeup of the legislature is very conservative, and so you know we do. Uh, as I like to say, you know, do a lot of uphill sledding there. It's it's a fairly uh, challenging place to advance conservation interests, but it is also important to note that conservation and conservative are from the same uh, root word, and the legislature, while a lot of the decisions about things we care about um, are uh, at the federal level, whether it's dealing with national forests or Bureau of Land Management lands or um, Park Service or other uh, agencies, um, the State House does uh, have authority over a lot of important issues. It has uh, authority and responsibility over some aspects relative to wildlife and, and clean water issues, um, building codes, and certainly a lot of issues in our communities. And so while it's a challenging place to work, it is also an important place for us to ensure that we are continuing to deliver a strong voice for conservation and advocating for the issues that we care about. And even sometimes if we know that we're going to be um, losing on an issue, it's important for us to stand up, represent our interests, represent our members, uh, and represent the Idaho that, that ICL believes in. And Op, how long have you been serving as Idaho um, Conservation League's lobbyist? So I've been with ICL for uh, just about 18 years. Uh, I've only been serving as the staff lobbyist. This was my fifth session, so a little over five years. And what's like a typical day in the Idaho State Legislature like when it's in session, if there even is such thing as a typical day? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, every day is a little bit different. Um, but I would say that, you know, one of the things about the state house is that it, it gets going early. You've got the joint finance and appropriations committee meets every day at 8 a.m. generally. And so depending on uh, what budgets they may be considering or what uh, funding issues they may be considering, we'll show up there. And, and a number of legislators show up well before that, probably around, you know, 630 or seven into their offices. And so it's a it's a, a good place for an early bird uh, to catch the worm, as it were. So, you know, we'll be tracking committee meetings and hearings both in the morning and in the afternoon, uh, watching some of the Senate or House floor sessions. If we're watching a bill that's on the floor, they generally meet around 10 or 11 in the morning. Uh, and then in the afternoons, we have uh, committee hearings. And so in between that and sometimes in the middle of that, we will have meetings with legislators to discuss uh, specific legislation or concerns that we might have and really uh, coordinating with folks on both sides of the aisle uh, and communicating with leadership in, in both parties and in both houses. And so, um, you know, in addition to just keeping a, a, an eye on the legislature, what they're doing in committee and on the floor, we're also uh, dashing back and forth to the office and posting information and, and tracking bills on our bill tracker, on our online bill tracker, on our website, uh, looking for engagement opportunities and putting stuff up on social media to encourage folks to contact their legislators. And so, uh, and then in the midst of that, we're also doing research on some of the issues because a lot of times going into a session, we might not be the experts, uh, for instance, on no wake zones. That was something that came up early this session that we thought we'd probably be doing some more work on before the bill was effectively pulled. You know, a lot of the times we have to get up to speed on an issue pretty quickly and understand, you know, what are what are the specifics? What are some of the rules and regulations around those issues currently? And try to determine what is the position of the Idaho Conservation League and, and is it a priority for us to work on? And so, so those are just a, a few of the things that we engage in uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But there's also times um, in the past where there have been like very exciting like flashpoints in the legislature, like where there's been like big public lands rallies or outpourings of public engagement on conservation issues. And so what, like, what has to happen for some of those bigger legislative engagement opportunities to come about? Um, so, uh, you know, it kind of depends on the on the issue, the time of year, what the threat is and, and certainly working in coalition. It's really important to recognize that, um, you know, we do not do the work alone in the in the state house. We partner a lot with with other organizations, sometimes on a specific issue. We will strike an alliance, um, you know, with a non-traditional ally. But there's a there is a core of about four or five conservation advocacy organizations who are over in the state house house almost every day. And so, you know, first, it's important to recognize our, our partners over there. Uh, you know, when we see a, a credible threat where we know that we can, you know, bring folks uh, out of the woodwork and, and encourage them to show up and, and whether it's testify or rally on the steps of the Capitol, we will, uh, you know, kind of evaluate those opportunities. A few years ago, we were dealing with some threats regarding the whole public lands takeover movement, which is some kind of radical folks advocating that states um, or private citizens seize control of federal lands, 
kind of as we saw with the Malheur standoff and uh, the Bundy family down in Bunkerville, Nevada. And so sometimes we see those uh, issues really catalyze public interest and public concern. And, and so we'll look for opportunities to turn people out at the state house. And public lands has certainly been one of those issues, I think, that cuts across political party. It cuts across economic you know, situations. It cuts across the whole state. And, and really, I think all Idahoans recognize and appreciate the value of public lands in our state uh, and want to see that see that those lands remain public. And so so that's you know one example that we saw where we really catalyzed some some public interest. Another is related to climate change and where we've seen that really pop up in the last few years has been in the in the context of the science standards for our K to 12. And I'm happy to get into that a little bit later when we start talking about some specific issues that came up in the session this year. Yeah, I think it might be a good time to kind of jump into some of the big issues that came up this year. And I would love it if you started with that climate change example, because I was just thinking about that. Was it like Heart Hearth? Heartland Institute. Heartland Institute that came and testified. So yeah, I think we can jump into some of the issues, major conservation issues that came up during the 2020 legislative session. Sure. So the um, the issue of climate change has been um, kind of touched around a little bit on the edges uh, the last several years. We've had several years of debates over the inclusion of, of climate change and certain concepts in our uh, education standards as part of the science standards that are approved uh, by the Idaho State Board of Education and the Department of Education here in Idaho. And we have had some informational hearings. And last year, we had our first uh, formal hearing on climate change in the Environment, Energy, and Technology Committee, where we heard about some specific impacts to the state of Idaho and to business interests in the state of Idaho. Um, this year, despite some efforts to try to get a, a, another hearing um, in that committee or in a similar hearing, there was a push by um, certain members of the Natural Resources Committee in the House to bring in a, a speaker who, you know, basically is a, a climate denier saying that uh, even if climate change is happening, that it's going to be beneficial for the state and, and beneficial for for the, the, the earth. And so, you know, pretty far out there and brought in a, uh, someone to testify on that issue. And, and he uh, kept mixing up Iowa and Idaho. Uh, he was from out of state. And, and really, I think it left some mud on the face of the, of the legislature and the folks who had sought to bring in that speaker from the Heartland Institute. Uh, it, it really didn't go very well. And under some questioning about um, what the reality is in Idaho, where we see regular, uh, you know, significant fires and um, filling our skies with smoke and that there are some very real impacts that we are seeing as a result of climate change, changes in water uh, dynamics and water flow and precipitation and flooding. The, uh, the speaker from the Heartland Institute struggled to demonstrate that climate change didn't represent a, a threat to the state of Idaho. And so then that issue came up later again as, as part of the science standards debate. Uh, the House Education Committee actually voted to strike the entire science standards, including climate change and including 
everything related to science, biology, astronomy, physics, everything uh, from the science standards. And they also uh, voted to remove the English language arts as well as the mathematics uh, standards. And so really uh, would have had a crippling effect on our state's education system because of the way administrative rules work, though, uh, the Senate would have had to go along with that position, and they did not. They voted uh, to retain those standards as written, and so those standards are moving forward uh, as written, which is a good thing. They did, though, notably create a, a interim committee that will meet in between the 2020 and the 2021 session to discuss some of those education standards, and so we could see some changes coming forward next year, potentially, uh, depending on whether those rules are, are resubmitted to the legislature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that ICL is engaged in this kind of education topic and this education issue. But just thinking back to like my own experience going through public school in Idaho, and maybe Haley, you can also speak to your experience going to going to school in Idaho, K through 12, and just how that really did set the stage for me to then pursue environmental work later on. Part of the reason why we work on this is because it's it's effectively been a, a little bit of a proxy battle over climate change and, and attempts to try to strip out elements um, that even just refer to climate change in the science standards. You know, regardless of what we're doing on the issue of climate change, it's an important part of, of the world that, that Idaho students need to understand and they need to learn about in order to be contributing citizens in the future. And so that's why we took it on as an issue several years ago in order to bring some attention to this. And, and we've definitely done that with thousands of comments that have been submitted um, to the, the State Department of Education and the uh, Idaho State Board of Education as well. Um, and, and we see it as an, an important issue for us to continue to work on. Yeah, um, I can't say that I recall whether or not we talked about climate change. I know that we definitely like had natural science classes, and that was a topic that was really interesting to me in public school, but um, I don't know that I recall whether or not we explicitly learned about climate change. Um, But um, hearing you talk about kind of your war stories of being in the legislature, it makes me wonder from this last session, if you had kind of a day where you felt really optimistic and heartened by the work that was happening over there. And conversely, if you had a day where you were like, wow, what are we doing here? Um, And I know that there's multiple of those moments probably throughout all of the sessions, but um, I know it can be quite a roller coaster ride. And I'm wondering if you have some kind of like highs and lows that um, strike you off the cuff. Yeah, well, uh, probably the one that encapsulates it the best was one of the priority issues that we worked on this year was related to uh, pesticides, uh, some of the rules around pesticides. And it developed over the course of the whole session, starting off in January, or early February, when the Association of Crop Dusters, basically the, it's called the Idaho Agricultural Aviation Association, they uh, raised concerns with some of the rules that had been submitted to the legislature around um, pesticide application, and in particular, aerial pesticide application, and they were able to convince the House Agricultural Affairs Committee to to strike out portions of the rule that uh, helped to uh, protect public health and ensure that citizens were notified and neighbors were notified in the event of uh, aerial pesticide application in, in their regions. And so 
that was something that kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. And because this was a what's referred to as a fee rule, that means that it charges a fee associated with it, then it only takes one side of the legislature, either the House committee or the Senate committee, to strike those rules. And so with no debate and no uh, opposition from other public health or farm worker advocates, the House Agricultural Committee took that action and, and rejected those rules. Um, so that was certainly a, a, a low point and disappointing to see that. And again, something that came out of the blue. And then uh, there was a bill that came forward after that uh, proposed by the same Association of Agricultural Aviation uh, Pesticide Sprayers. And they uh, were trying to weaken the existing statute by currently it's, it's illegal to apply pesticides in a careless, faulty, or negligent manner, and it's illegal to use inappropriate or ineffective pesticides. Those are things that I think make sense to most people and they understand what it's getting at. The, uh, the Crop Duster Association, though, chose to try to strike out the words careless and faulty and to strike out the words ineffective and inappropriate. And so it really would have um, weakened that existing statute that is important, again, for protecting public health and safety and the safety of farm workers as well who, who work out in the fields. And so that was something that we uh, did a fair bit of work on and we're hopeful that we would get you know, make some progress. And we got a good attorney general's opinion um, that Representative Toon had requested. And that helped to, uh, I thought, solidify our argument and raise some concerns. But uh, upon presenting that attorney general opinion and explaining some of our opposition, that bill sailed through the House Agricultural Committee and sailed across the House floor. Luckily, we were able to uh, coordinate with some other uh, interested partners and, and stakeholders on the issue. And over in the Senate, it followed a very different course. We worked closely with Chairman of the Senate Agricultural Committee, Jim Guthrie, and, uh, and were able to basically restore the language that had been struck by the House. The Senate committee sent it to the, what's referred to as the amending order, uh, which is where uh, bills uh, can receive amendments uh, on the floor of the, of the Senate. Um, in this case, in the Senate, could be in the House as well. And the bill was sent there uh, and they restored the word uh, careless and they also restored the word inappropriate and ineffective um, and really helped to uh, uh, bring back those public health and farm worker protections. And so we were encouraged to see that and then uh, saw that bill um, advance through. Uh, we took a neutral position on that because we you know, weren't necessarily supportive of it, but also recognized the, all the work that went in to try to uh, you know, restore some of those protections for the public and, and for the environment. And ultimately that amended bill did pass both the House and the Senate uh, by overwhelming margins. But then the, the Idaho legislature adjourned for the year and actually based on some concerns over the impact of the bill on the rulemaking process, the governor vetoed the bill. And so that was something that we were also pleased with. We were pleased both to see the amendments to the original bill um, and we were also pleased to see the governor's veto on that because, you know, we, I, I think he did appropriately identify an additional issue that this would potentially preclude temporary rulemaking on this issue, uh, which is an important option for the administrative agencies to have when they need to protect public health. And so in the end, this there were no changes made to either the rules or the statute. And that's something that we appreciate because the, the existing rules that we have in place 
uh, are arguably not strong enough. And so uh, we saw this bill and these efforts by the Crop Duster Association as, as moving us backwards. And so with that, with that one issue, I was able to, I think, answer the, the high, the low, and, and uh, the in-between of uh, what can happen on some issues in the legislature. Yeah. And that issue, like you said, like moving us backwards, if that had gone a different way, it feels like it could go decades and decades back. That specific issue like reminds me so much of like Silent Spring and these very classic environmental um, efforts. And it's just disheartening that we would see those those regulations eroded. Yeah. Speaking of Silent Spring, um, you know, that was another issue that we worked on early in the session. Um, we worked with Senator Dan Johnson on a resolution that was calling attention to the fact that over 30 percent of our bird populations in North America have declined since 1970. So that is basically one out of every three birds that was flying around in 1970 is not is no longer flying around. And so, you know, what uh, Rachel Carson was talking about in Silent Spring when that was originally published really is something that that we have seen come true. And, and that's unfortunately, you know, really having an impact on pollination. It has an impact on insect control. And we worked with Senator Johnson, as I mentioned, on a a resolution just calling some attention to that issue and encouraging the Department of Fish and Game to uh, investigate and determine what were some of the causes and whether or not these same trends were being seen in Idaho and what we can do to reverse that. Uh, the resolution passed unanimously in the Senate uh, without any concern, but then it was held over on the House side and, and didn't even receive a hearing based reportedly on some concerns from some senators who, after they voted for it, decided to change their mind and oppose it. And so I uh, actually had a chance to speak with some of those senators or one of those senators, and uh, he expressed concern that that he just saw a lot of a lot of boogeymen hiding in the shadows with regards to this one, and um, that somehow this was uh, representing a threat to agriculture or an attempt to end hunting when both of those issues were specifically called out in the resolution as, as something that uh, helped to contribute and were important Idaho traditions to continue with regards to this issue. So that was one one that, that another was, was a high point and a low point when we passed unanimously in the Senate was definitely a high point. And then that morning, I remember very specifically talking with the chairman of the uh, of the House Natural Resources Committee when he told me that uh, the bill would not be heard any further. It strikes me that there's a lot of um, technical work that you're doing and you obviously after five years of serving as ICL's lobbyist, um, you're very fluent in the language of politics and how everything is moving through and passing the House, passing the Senate, talking to chairman. For people who aren't quite as plugged in as you are, what are the best ways for folks to support conservation, to make a difference, um, you know, and there's people at totally different levels of, you know, rudimentary understanding of local government to, you know, super involved. And so what are some of the different ways that people can engage on this and make a difference in Idaho? Yeah, you know, there, there are lots of different ways to engage. And I think the, the you know, the first one is, is just knowing who your representatives and your senator are. Every single citizen in the state of Idaho is represented by two members of the House of Representatives and one senator. There are 35 different legislative districts and there are, again, two representatives from each district and one senator. So there are 70 members of the House and 35 members of the Senate. So the first thing is, you know, regardless of whether you agree or disagree uh, with your representatives, 
reach out to them and let them know what are some of the issues you care about. You can do that by phone. You can do it by email. All of that information on how to contact them is available at the website at legislature.idaho.gov. And so that's the first thing is just know who your know who your representatives are, because while you can certainly try to you know reach out to other senators uh, who don't who don't represent you, they're not going to give you as much attention, as much credence when you can let them know that you are a constituent and that you speak to other constituents and that you are active and, and engaged and care about these issues. It, it is, I'd say, the first most important thing is to know and, and reach out to and connect with your legislators. The second one, I think, is just understanding how accessible the Idaho legislature is. Now, I realize that that folks that live up in Bonners Ferry or over in Soda Springs or points further away, you know, don't have as e- easy a time as as you know walking down the street um, that those of us who live in Boise and the Treasure Valley do, and and being able to walk into the Capitol. But it is a very approachable building. It's 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 all open. You can get in there, you can meet with legislators, they will give you the time of day. Legislators are are very accessible here in Idaho compared with many other places. In many other states, there are professional legislators who work year round and have paid staff uh, to support them. And and you'll be lucky if you get a hold of one of their staff members here in Idaho, uh, unless they are in leadership, they generally do not have staff. And uh, if you call up their office number, then uh, they're the one who's going to pick up. And so uh, political leaders in Idaho are very approachable when when compared with many other states. Um, And so just encourage people to show up, get familiar with the the different offices and, and where people are and how to attend a committee hearing and how to testify at a committee hearing. Uh, in addition to you know being able to reach out and connect with legislators, every committee hearing is open to the public. Uh, the agendas come out sometime just a few hours before the meeting, and so it helps to coordinate with uh, a lobbyist or someone who is tracking those bills and those committee hearings closely, uh, so that you can have a little bit more heads up. And that's one of the things that we do at ICL is is make sure that our members and supporters know when important hearings are coming up, so that they can show up, they can attend, and they can test. Testify also. It takes, you don't need any special training or certification in order to testify before the legislature. You just show up, uh, sign up, and, and let on the sign up sheet note that you're interested in testifying. And, um, and then the, the last thing I would say is, uh, you know, just, just spending some time understanding where information is on the, the legislative website, again, at legislature.idaho.gov. And we try to make that easy for our members and supporters because we have a bill tracker that we keep updated throughout the session, keep up to date on, on what bills are moving through, what the status is, and, and where there are opportunities to plug in and, and support those proposals. Thanks, Op. Also, voting is a good one, too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, too. That, too. Uh, and, you know, on that on that topic of voting, it's uh, important to recognize that the uh, based on the, the coronavirus this year, that the upcoming primary election that was scheduled for May 19th, this is important that this is not the presidential primary election that we had last month back in, in March uh, of 2020. Uh, this is the uh, basically the primary election for everything but president. So that is going to be an absentee only 
election, which will be the first that we've ever held here in Idaho. Uh, some of our uh, adjoining states, I think Oregon moved to all absentee voting all the time, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's going to be our first all absentee election. And so in order to vote uh, in that May 19th primary election, folks need to make sure to submit their request for an absentee ballot. We've got information about that uh, on our Facebook page, and, and we'll make sure to get it up on our website as well. And it was super easy. I requested my absentee ballot last week and it took hardly any time at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is maybe also the first time that you can do it entirely online as well to request that absentee ballot. Yeah, thanks so much for that. That's a really good reminder. I need to request mine. I do want to say to our listeners, so we touched on a couple of the issues that came up in the state legislature this year. We touched on no wake zones and climate change science standards and pesticides and the bird resolution. And that's like five of many, many, many issues that we uh, at ICL and OPS specifically were tracking this year. And so to learn more about other issues and these issues we talked about, you can go to our website and check out our weekly blogs that OP posted every, every week about the legislative session. And you can dive way deep on our bill tracker as well. So there are lots of resources on our website for people to learn a little bit more about what what was going on in the state house this year. Thanks so much, Op, for joining us. I appreciate all your all your stories and sharing with our listeners what you do in in the winter months um, at ICL. Sounds great. I was happy to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Wild Idaho, and I hope that you all stay safe and healthy out there, and we'll see you next time. See you later.